and action. And hi, everybody. <laughs> Can you just picture me right now at 9.46 p.m. on a Sunday night? So done with my weekend so far. We still have a day off tomorrow. but um, And then my husband comes to me with his gear and plops down a microphone and says, Let's record the intro right now. Oh my gosh! So I'm sorry. I guess that's that's um, producing some conflict in our relationship <laughs> that we need to talk about. I'm just tired. I want to do this when I'm not like yawning. So sorry. The listeners deserve better. Mm -hmm. Maybe a fresher, more vibrant intro than sleepy. So I'm gonna use my training right now. I'm making some observations that you would like to record the intro at an earlier time. That's great. I'm curious as to why we got to the point where we're doing it the night before. Yeah. Mm, how did we get I here? I'm curious about that. <laughs> and maybe moving forward mm -hmm. we can mix it up a little bit. Next time. So Podcast listeners, strangers, addicts, friends, uh, I am actually using some things you're going to learn about today. Uh, I have a special guest and we're joking. We are at this point at nine o'clock at night because I have been busy, uh, awesomely getting to shoot a movie as an actor. I didn't have to write it or direct it or produce Sweet. it or raise money for it. You just show up. Just showed up. It was awesome, but it means my wife has been holding down the fort with the children. And I actually emailed her. It's not funny to say I emailed my wife. Yeah. Because we have been going like ships in the night. But I emailed her. I'm like, here's the podcast. I already um, edited it. Take a listen. Then we can do the, the intro. And it just is here we are the night yeah. before it's supposed to go out. And I'm sorry to say I wasn't able to listen to it until, I mean, I haven't listened to it. Yeah. So... I'm but sorry. you know a little I'm bit about eager. it. Yeah. Yes. So it's Michelle Vilchez. Vilchez. Yeah. And she's from a conflict resolution. You yeah. should probably say the official name. Yeah. The Peninsula Conflict Resolution Center in the Bay Area. She is awesome. in San Mateo, has been there for like crazy, like a lot of years. <laughs> and she'll talk about that more. But I invited her on because, well, one, she connected me. We're doing a thing in October together, um, like a TED Talk type event called Creating Empathetic Communities. I don't know why they invited me, honestly, but I'm getting to be a part of it. But she's just really cool. You'll hear she's passionate. She's excited. And she, for a living, she basically mediates people, anybody, landlords and tenants, neighbors, churches, friends, spouses. They mediate conversations and train people on how to have healthy conflict resolution. So we just Ooh, talked a little bit about it. that, right, in a time when politics and theology and everything is making all of us a little bit tense mm -hmm. it's always good to be reminded how to engage with one another in real life and in the social media world mm, that's good yeah oh i look forward to listening yeah cool and real quick before we get in thank you to our brave maker partners holy cannoli is under the brave maker umbrella the nonprofit that i started and i've got 14 people 14 of you sweet are supporting financially and that makes this something that we can do so thank you all go to bravemaker.com for more info and oh you guys i forgot to tell you we have a sponsor a new sponsor Ooh. for the podcast you know what it is right 
La biscotteria. <laughs> say it again. <laughs> La biscotteria. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so listeners, say it with me in your best Italian accent and put your, your hands up like you're talking like an Italian. La biscotteria. Uh, that basically means like the bakery, the cookie place. It's a Redwood City joint and they make fresh cannoli. So you can stop Sweet. in anytime and get some fresh holy cannoli. But if you like those cookies, the Italian cookies, the chocolate ones, the anise ones, the orange flavored ones, Dip it just in your coffee. yes, 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 yes. Ooh. So they are giving us twenty percent off for the whole month of December. You can of twenty eighteen. Sorry, December. Did I say December? We're wow. in September. Wow. I'm thinking Christmas already, guys. Wow. Come on, get it with it. <laughs> no, September twenty eighteen. They will give you twenty percent off if you order their cookies online. And you'll dig them. I've got like a whole bucket of them up in our kitchen. So you don't have to go to the store. No, no. You can live oh, anywhere. Yeah. yeah, well, the way you get it to the 20% off is just in the discount code at the end. Put holy cannoli in the discount code. Sweet. Yeah, so if you like those cookies, get on it. All right. Ciao. All right. Enjoy episode 14. You are listening to the Holy Cannoli Podcast. It's all about making sense of life, who we are, and why we're here. Life is sacred and life is strange. And here's our dad, Tony Gapasso. Right, cool. Well, let's jump on in here. Um, am I saying Vilches? How do I say your last That's name? That's perfect. Vilches? Yeah. Okay. You, it, um, yeah, Vilches. 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 Chess. Awesome. To make it easier for you. Yeah. Okay, cool. And, and the first name is Michelle. What did I say? Michelle. Did I say no, that? No, okay. oh, I was like, wait, did I say your name wrong? <laughs> no, I don't need Sometimes I, you know, I was on a conversation the other day, on a phone conversation, and um, it was like a a serious conversation and halfway in the conversation I thought oh, I forgot the person's name who am I talking to who's on the phone right now and I had to like look up like on my email no I was like, okay it's Margaret Margaret I'm sorry if you're listening but I forgot <laughs> That's just wrong. okay so welcome Mickey Vilche just kidding Michelle Vilchez to the Holy Cannoli podcast thank you thank you thank you so Michelle you are doing something that we need to talk about you are helping people learn to be empathetic your organization has been around for 30 some years is that right it's the Peninsula Conflict Re Resolution Center and you and I connected through mutual friend Ivan, and we're doing this event in October, which we're going to talk about. So let's just launch in. Okay. Tell us cool. what, first, who are you and why are you on this earth? We talk about this all <laughs> the time. You have a mission. Who are you and what do you do? Why are you here? That's a great question. Thank you so much. I'm just so um, honored and pleased mm -hmm. to be here. Mm -hmm. um, excited about what Brave Maker Thank is you. doing and excited about seeing you at the helm of it and all that you have Thank and, you. and the huge plan that is set forth. <laughs> um, good question. I, I think that it's interesting when I think about, um, so I've been at PCRC for short because the name is a mouthful. PCRC uh, Peninsula Resolution. <laughs> something <laughs> other. Michelle Vilches. Um, uh, I think about why have I been there for close to 19 years? Um, and the wow. truth, yeah, for sure. You started sure. when you were I was nine. Like four. Yeah. I was four. Oh, I know. Okay. I know. We won't tell anyone. Um, child labor. <laughs> and um, 
and I think about why was why have I been there so long? And truthfully, you know, the mission of the organization that is all about, you know, helping people, helping to empower people and build relationships to ultimately reduce violence is something that I can get behind and speak to. I mean, I would imagine that there are very few individuals um very few individuals that can't get behind something like that, yeah. um, especially now, really given the environment that we're living in and the culture, not only Silicon Valley, but certainly if we look on a national level, um, there's a lot going on mm -hmm. um, constantly. We are seeing. And when you say a lot, you mean conflict. Conflict. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. And the good thing is that. I cannot foresee us going out of business anytime soon. <laughs> right. Yeah. And the, you're, you're secure, right? We're secure. <laughs> job security. Yeah. And the sad thing is that I cannot see us mm. being out of work anytime mm. soon. So it, there's this um, paradigm, right? This is experience of um, the tension between we're doing such good work and there is so much more that is needed when it comes to um, building relationships, helping people feel empowered that they have a voice and can speak for themselves. And um, I think that the other thing for me personally is that, um, you know, we have so many social activists, organizations who are about um, you know, speaking for others and advocating and fighting, fighting, fighting the good fight. And that is needed, Tony. I mean, I promise you that's needed. I'm not in any way, shape or form um, wanting to insinuate that it's not needed. And I will say, underscore and, non-adversarial approaches to building the skills and capacity of our residents and community members, of our young people, mm. of our elders um, in the community, of our non-traditionally involved individuals, a creating an opportunity where they feel safe enough to talk about what their challenges are, um, for there to be an opportunity for increased engagement on their part so that we can look different, um, so we can change the narrative. For me, that's more long lasting. Mm -hmm. that, that's, that's more sustainable. There's more opportunity for the change to be long term um, versus kind of this shot in the dark um, and forgive the term kind of this drive by mm. activity. Mm. Uh, I'm not for gang violence. I don't yeah. know if others are, you know, I'm not into this drive by. Let me be there a while. Yeah. Um, I don't want to be the tea bag that dips in and out. I want to be the one who seeps oh a little gosh. while. That's so good. Uh, <laughs> all these good little metaphors <laughs> you're throwing out. Let's, oh, well, let's seep a little yeah. bit, Tony. Let's seep a little bit. And, uh, and, and, you know, in the society that we live in right now we're not seeing too much seeping mm. you know we're seeing the in and out and it's the the culture we've created mm. so it's interesting yeah yeah as you're talking oh, stop. i love no i love it okay. you're, you're talking i'm thinking about like i want to know how did you get here so i wanted to talk about the, the technical we're going to get there like give us some practical things like how can we be better conflict resolution people how can we be more empathetic we'll get there but how did you get so passionate about it? You're obviously on fire. Like you are seeped in at the bottom of this, <laughs> of this uh, teacup uh, of empathy and resolution. How'd you get there? 
Well, um, you know, this if this is a personal uh, story that I would be sharing, I'd have to be very transparent with you and say that it was instilled in me from a very young age. Service learning um, is really a part of my DNA. Uh, have uh, beautiful parents who who um, helped me understand that the best way to get more out of life was to give and surrender everything. Mm. Um, and so my father um, uh, is a minister. Mm. He's been a pastor in a Latino community. Um, I'm born and raised, um, uh, you know, Mexican American, Mexican parents and immigrant parents who really believe in giving all constantly that giving of your time, giving of your treasure, giving of your talent, that it is constantly, um, uh, creating and looking for opportunities where you can serve others. Um, and of course, towards the mission of Christ, mm -hmm. um, and also really being Christ to others. So loving first, um, accepting, understanding, facilitating everything that Christ did constantly mm -hmm. is what the model that we're supposed to be, or certainly I'm supposed to be uh, working on. So PCRC gives me that ability to be Christ in a secular um, environment and in a nonprofit where I can do all those things that are dead center mission focused for me. Um, so that is at 100 percent um, because of who, first of all, who Christ has been in my life. And then, of course, who my parents are and and what they've been in my life. And so your parents came to California? From Mexico, my fa my father actually came from um, Mexico to Texas to okay. the state of Texas. Um, he was an immigrant worker, farm worker, traveled up and down the southern states, following um, the 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 fruit or vegetable wherever you know whatever was in season so he would go in and out um it's pretty it's a pretty powerful story actually it starts even before that um my grandparents oh my grandfather at the time on my my dad's side um was probably about uh, mid-20s and um both of his parents had passed away mm -hmm. and he had six brothers and sisters um so he decided it would be a great opportunity to get married um and have someone care for or help him care for his six siblings. Oh so he he married my grandmother, who was 13 at the time, because um, that's what you did, scandalous. I guess. <laughs> no, it's not tell nobody. It's not no tell no, you know, 600,000 people that are listening. Um, uh, that um, he decided it would be a good time to get married. And so she... she she <laughs> I'm cutting you out. Just kidding. <laughs> no more start. Okay, and we're done. <laughs> I just pulled the cord accidentally from Michelle's headphones, and she looked at me like, "What the? <laughs> I can't hear myself." <laughs> it's like the big cane on the Gong Show or whatever. Like, God, just kidding. Keep going. I was, like, I was like, "Scandal 13. We're done. Bye bye." <laughs> not what I signed. That's the form that I didn't sign. Um, so, okay. So she was 13. Um, they got married, you know, she so this started... is what? 1900. I mean, Goodness. 20s. Okay. Let's, this? let's, let's see. Well, let's see if she would have been 90. Right. It would have been early 1900s. Yeah. Okay. So mm -hmm. that's, I guess, yeah. 
what you what did. You do. Yeah. yeah. And it was that a necessity. And, mm-hmm. you know, and she started raising her six, you know, newly married, start raising her six um, in-laws, mm-hmm. you know, and then having um, five kids of her own. And, um, and then they were just following the fields and creating any opportunity for them to be able to sustain themselves. So it's funny because my father, he actually would never, ever call his mother mom um, or mama in Spanish. He would call her Juanita. Um, because everyone around him was calling her Juanita. Mm. So all the siblings called her Juanita, 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 you know. Um, and her story is phenomenal. So, you know, um, she passed away probably my first, second year of college. Uh, and it was interesting because as we were packing her stuff, we kept we kept we found this huge trunk full of things and the interesting thing about my grandmother by the way is that you would go into her house and she would have this trunk right at the foot of the entrance way and she would say you can come into my house you can come into my house but when you come into my house you have to leave something and when you leave you have to take something with you and so it was this it was again instilling in us that hey what are you going to bring to the table what are you going to bring to this world what you going to bring with it and then what are you going to take with it mm. there's something different something that's not your own something mm. that you're getting from someone else mm. and so that has stuck with me forever yeah. you know and so as she passed away or when she passed away we kept finding all these documents this is my grandmother all the way all, by the way as well is that she would we go to her house and we're like you know abuelita you know do you have anything to eat she's like Ex, you know con permiso, no te entiendo niña a ver háblame en español like uh, like no talk English. to me in spanish uh. i don't understand Andrew. And uh, we're like, okay, fine. You know, we talked to her. Come to find out after she passed away is that she was actually, she got her GD um, going to night school and she had all these documents and then she got her AA unbeknownst to any of us. Mm. And we're like, that huge liar. (laughs) She totally lied to us. Totally lied to us. She totally knew Mm. English. So that's the kind of Mm. legacy, family legacy that I really come from is that about, you know, um, doing your best, giving your best, making all kinds of sacrifices for others. Um, My father, you know, went back and forth. Uh, He was actually called into the military, called into the war, but at the same time had just given his life to Christ felt like he was being called into the ministry, went to L.A. um, to go to Bible school at Latin American Bible Institute Mm. uh, close to Azusa, California. And and the military uh, went looking for him, found him at at Bible school and my dad just started ministering to him and said, you know, this is the calling I have and I'm sorry, but it's greater than the calling that you're giving me. And, um, the individual that went looking for him said, you know what? That's okay. You stay here. We need more ministers and pastors, more of you than soldiers. And, um, unfortunately his brother had enlisted the year before and, and was, was, um, was killed in war Mm. the following year. So, you know, there's a larger plan Mm -hmm. that we don't understand. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's really kind of the, the, the trajectory. My mother, on the other hand, she, uh, was here. They were, she was raised in Colorado, um, and raised in a, is that Mexico part of Mexico? No, that's actually Colorado. (laughs) You, what the, I was like, wait, she, do I ask? Because I haven't heard Colorado before. (laughs) 
I was like, wait, wait, what? Hey, Tony. God, Colorado, California, Arizona, New Mexico. They were all part of Mexico before. That reminds me of the other, like, Saturday Night Live sketch where they say only certain words (laughs) with the Latino accent or something. Oh, my gosh. Okay. This is Spanish 101. This is teaching me empathy. Is that part of Mexico? Do I ask this or look stupid? Yes, I do, and I'm stupid. Like the state of Michoacan is not is not Michigan. I know that one. I know that one. That's right. So she was raised in a you know Christian home. Um, She um, was self taught uh, pianist. um, You know, probably at the age of like eight, started playing piano for the church, a small church. and so music was a huge part of her um, growing up. And so she would, at the age of like two or three, you know, in front of everyone and their mother, literally, um, you know, put me on stage, start singing and start, you know, um, being a part of uh, worshiping God in, 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 in the form of music. Mm-hmm. And so music is still a huge part of my life now. Um, in what way you sing? I sing. Yeah, let's hear yeah. it. Bring no, it. I'm Come cool. on. I'm cool. <laughs> uh, in college, my husband and I used to be in a, um, you're, you don't laugh. This is, this is a non-judgmental location. No, it's safe. Okay, it's this a brave is a grace space. place. That's right. That's right. Thank you. Okay. It's a brave and grace place. Um, we met because we joined a ministry that was, um, a rap group and I was singing backup for the rap group and he was on the rap and I was like, that, that guy is fooling. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then we ended up getting married. So I worked out. So you were his backup. I was his backup oh, and I stayed and, the backup. Oh, for don't husband. lie. Now I think like, he's, <laughs> he, he's like, I got a powerful woman. I will definitely take the back seat. No, I no, to. he's phenomenal. <laughs> right phenomenal. Um, and then later in our early years of marriage, we joined a salsa group. So we were on a Christian salsa group for, a number of years. What does it mean to be a Christian salsa group? It, it means the lyrics are about Jesus. Okay, okay, just making sure. <laughs> Not about anybody's big booty or anything like that. It's about Jesus, Tony, okay. Jesus, Christ. We can have a conversation after this if you need one. Because about Jesus. I just know, like, I know salsa, and I'm like, what's Christian salsa? That's okay, right. it's just. A... Just about Jesus. Okay, all right. All right, so somehow you made it, you made it with your faith having a pastor as a dad that's encouraging for me because i have kids and sometimes i hear too many stories of people who just like ditch yeah. god because of their influences of their parents or you know i mean you know part of the conversation i have a lot on holy cannoli is how can we look at our faith differently how can we ditch the things that are judgmental that maybe sometimes like christians people of faith are more conflict ridden than any of us, right? We tend to be so divisive over things about Jesus or over things about the Bible um, when we see the person of Christ being one who was a compassionate uh, symbol and he was a giver of grace and he was one who sacrificed his life. And yet at the same time, I find myself in Twitter battles or Facebook conflict or even in this podcast, just kind of sharing stories. Um, you know, I, we all have an opinion. We all have a perspective. And I'm coming out of a space and time where I'm, pre, I'm processing my faith and I'm not in a church role anymore. So I have to go, oh, OK, like I'm looking at things differently. And is that OK? And then I am inviting feedback and some people can come with a a strong perspective. And I go, cool, let's talk about it. I had uh, on Facebook this week, 
ask somebody who I don't even know. He was, I just usually friend anybody on Facebook. You said you don't like Facebook. That's yeah. a problem. <laughs> anybody who's like wants to be my friend, I'm like, sure. <laughs> Except. <laughs> and uh, I had posted an article about a little boy who took his life mm. and he claimed to be gay. Mm -hmm. uh, that was what the article said. And this, somebody was taking offense to that. How can this boy know he was gay? And I was like, you know what? Regardless of how he knew or what he thought or what he didn't or what mental illness he had, I posted a thing about a boy taking his life because of his sexuality being bullied. Right. Right. And so this is sad. I just wanted, I wanted to have empathy. And somebody was just taking the opportunity to share his opinion and people are allowed to have their opinion. And I welcome that, but it was done in, in offensive ways with offensive words. I don't get easily offended, but when we shake our fists with offensive words right. and we point fingers, that's right. where it's challenging. So right. I just kind of said, Hey, I welcome you to share your thoughts right. and uh, have your opinions, but we need to do it in a way that's honoring to others. Right. And it was cool. He replied back, you know what? I'm sorry. I've been thinking about this all day and trying to do a reply, but I am sorry for my offensive language. I still hold to my beliefs. I'm like, cool. Thank you for giving. That's your right. welcome and entitled. So right. as people listen to these podcasts, my hope is please uh, um, hold your beliefs, maybe hold them loosely. And let's talk about things like race. Let's talk about things like gender. Let's right. talk about things like sexuality. Let's talk about things like unjust systems in our country and be okay with disagreeing, but not be so if we're holding tight to our thoughts in our disagreements that we are belittling other people and we are making them feel less than, and we are calling into question, <laughs> let alone um, their um, their identities or their their faith, but their their ability to be human. Right. You know, like right. we are human beings, right. and so let's connect in that way. Right. So somehow, I love that you and your passion came to this place through a family that regarded Christ and that was a part of the church and active. And I'm sure you've had your challenges and questions and doubts along the way. Never. <laughs> Just in case my dad ever listens to this. Never, ever. No, I, I mean, for the man, you just dished out all kinds of stuff that we could attack um, uh, together. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you talk about social media and the usage of social media. And I'm going to tell you one thing that I always tell, you know, regardless of your age, regardless of language, background, I can man, don't see something and reply right away. Uh -huh. Think about it. And I think that social media has given us this access to say whatever the heck we want to mm -hmm. behind the screen where you and I are not having to be face to face yeah. and I have to be accountable for my words. Um, and yet there is a huge accountability for my words and what I type and how I, and the second I push send or post, um, I need to be accountable. And, you know, in conflict resolution, we say, you know, kind of the quick um, uh, four steps around that. Number one is cool down, calm down, think about it. You know, where there has been conflict, any type of conflict, there's a variety of different factors that we need to consider. Mm -hmm. Who's the relationship with? What's it about? You know, what is my personal interest? So how did I get triggered? So, you know, that opportunity to cool down, you, you need to play in your head. What's going on for me right now? Mm -hmm. Why am I so triggered with what Tony posted? Mm -hmm. um, you know, why am I so triggered? Because Tony won't friend me. You know, that's really the, you know, that's I did really, friend you, Michelle. <laughs> yeah. I told you. I <laughs> thank you. I wanted to put you on blast in front of all of your all of your followers. Um, 
who are looking at your um, very clean-shaved face. Oh, blast. I had to shave my face, you guys. I had to shave for a role I'm filming this month, and uh, I feel like I'm 13 because <laughs> I have no facial hair. My security blanket, gone, <laughs> shaved. My daughter said, Dad, your face looks smaller. What happened? Oh, my gosh. It will grow back, I, I promise. So I'm in the, I'm in the cool down. Perfect. I'm in conflict with my face right now. I'm yes. cooling down. Cool what down. is it about? What is it I'm about? I'm thinking about why is this yes. triggering me. Yes. It's because I like having my facial hair. Yes. It makes me feel good. Yes. And I think in conflict sometimes uh, a differing opinion makes us feel quote unquote wrong. Right. Makes us feel little. Right. And so sometimes going underneath that is like, all right, what is this about? So the right. cool down. This is a great time for a word from our sponsor. All right, uh, I got my daughter here with me, and we've got some special cookies. Do you know how to say that? La biscotteria. Nice. La biscotteria is our sponsor for this podcast, and daughter of mine, take a cookie. I'm going to have you try it. All month of September, if you go to labiscotteria.com, how do you spell it? L-A-B-I-S-C-O-T-T-E-R-I-A. La Biscotteria, that's Italian for cookie, biscotti. Or if you're from the Midwest, you can say biscotti, the biscotti. Um, They're 20% off all month long. If you go to labiscotteria.com and at your checkout code, put Holy Cannoli, and they will ship it to you anywhere in the country for these awesome cookies. And they also have cannoli, but unfortunately, you cannot ship cannoli all across the world. But whatever you want to order on their website, they have breadsticks and different Italian-type cookie stuff as well. Check it out. That's our sponsor. Huge thanks to the Bonacore family for sponsoring us and for giving us these awesome treats. What do you think? It's really good. <laughs> She's dipping them into milk. I dip it into coffee. 20% off, labiscotteria.com. And back to the podcast. Is there any tips you have about how to cool down? I mean, yeah. you said don't send something. Don't send back something. Back away. You know, emails, social media, all these things, you know what's hard. So you and I are engaging in a conversation and you're listening. Number one, you're listening to my words. So number two is that you can listen to the tone of my voice. So oftentimes mm, when I'm trying so to good. communicate something, you yeah. understand whether I'm coming from aggressive yeah. um, perspective or a, a place of curiosity yeah. where where I'm not asking a question to make a point, but uh, out of just genuine curiosity. Tony, I'm really curious why you would post that. Yeah. You know, help me understand the language mm. that we can use often within written text. Uh-huh. We have to be more mindful of it because the person on the receiving end cannot mm-hmm. understand our tone. They can't mm-hmm. hear it. And secondly, you're looking at my body language. So am I coming with fists up and, you know, aggressive and face red, or am I coming with my eyes rested, my arms Uh down and my, you know, body language is about 80% of our communication. And so social media, email, things like that have now removed that 80% and now we're reliant on that 20%. So how can we ensure that that 20% is on point? Um, Because there is so much more to communication and relationships 
leadership and, and everything else. The, the other thing to consider is that um, when it comes to conflict, there's a couple of things that we need to remember. Number one is that am I, is, the, is at the end of the day the goal to be right or the end of the day to have greater understanding. And, and depending on where your approach is, if I'm engaged in a conversation, for example, let's say, you know, not that this ever happens at, very much, but let's say with my husband, um, and we're in a heated conversation, and my end of the day goal is to be right, more likely than not, we are going to butt and butt, butt heads and butt heads. We're going to, it's going to turn into a back and forth. Often when you see an argument ensue between two individuals, children, youth, adults, elders, regardless of their age, there's a back and forth because they want to be right. You are wrong, Tony, and I'm right. But at the end of the day, it's more, it's not that crystal clear sometimes. There's only one truth and that's Christ's truth. Um, but when it comes to you and I, I'm not Christ. And you're not Christ. And although we're seeking to be like Christ, we'll never attain perfection um, until we go to be with him. And so um, at the end of the day, when we think about being right, isn't it better at the end of the day to understand, I want to be understood by you. You know, uh, you know, we see a number of conflicts that come through our doors. Um, we serve about 16 to 18,000 on an annual basis. And so any type of conflicts, they will call us and say, you know, we're two neighbors and we're engaged in a lot of conflict about their barking dog. I work at six in the morning, their dog barks. Can you help me with my neighbor's <laughs> yes. barking dog? Yes. Can you I got please? you. I had a BB I gun. You. I thought no. I was like, so I felt so bad because I have a dog. But I was like, for three months, Michelle, this dog. So what do I do? Yeah, anyway, You need keep to going. call us. You need to call us. First of all, I'm like, which house is it? I need to get up at 6.50 and tour the neighborhood and like listen for this dog and then knock on the door. I'm like, well. Yes. Sorry, I had to interrupt there because that's a real thing. That is a so real thing. So people call you about that. People call us about yeah. that. People call us about barking dog. Uh, tree hanging over the fence, the fence falling down and no one wanting to pay for it, uh, parking spaces that they're having to share. Um, mm. Then they call us on conflicts bigger than that. You know, we're about to have Thanksgiving together and we refuse to speak to each other because my brother owes me $500 from the mm. burial services for my parents. And, you know, then we have churches calling us. Mm-hmm. Um, we have churches calling us, you know, the elders are in war with each other. Um, the pastors conflict. Let me just tell you that Christianity does not give us some immunity to conflict. If anything, believe me when I say that conflict exists more than ever within the church. Now, if you want me to take you down a spiritual realm of why I believe that is, I can. But just <laughs> is because the enemy wants nothing more than divide his body. They want nothing more to, than divide and lie. We have to remember who is the enemy here. It's not each other. It's not you're not my enemy. And the pastor is not my enemy. And whether I agree with him or not, and whether I agree with you or not, you are not my enemy. You are my, you're the body with me. You're who in, in which God has entrusted us to love um, and to, to be Christ to. So regardless of what perspectives I have and opinions I have about lifestyle or, or shirt color or, or beard or no beard, uh, those are not at the end of the day, the values that I need to hold on to. Number one is that I need to know, do you know Christ? You know, and the enemy wants nothing more to divide us and create, um, 
create division amongst us, increase the conflict so that you and I now no longer love each other and seek for understanding. We now hate each other. Mm. I hate you for mm. what you believe. Mm. I cannot believe that you would even think that mm. that is what we should be doing. I hate it. Mm. I hate it. And then once you start feeling that, what starts coming out of your mouth? Mm-hmm. Words that spew of hate. Um, what does the Lord tell us? What is in the, what it comes out of us is in the heart. What's in the, it comes from the mind. It's in there somewhere. Somewhere. Yeah. And we are innately evil. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, if you, you're taking me way down a path. <laughs> She's preaching, everybody. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm a PK, so it's going to come out in my DNA. That means pastor's oh, kid. Oh, thank you. Subtitle, <laughs> subtitle. Um, and um, so, and, and from a secular perspective, right, if I put on my ED hat and I, you know, lower my voice and ED, I calm down. Executive my executive director. director hat, right. And I... Um, and I say, you know, what's happening? I can tell you that regardless of denomination, regardless of um, all the barriers that divide us, conflict exists anywhere, mm-hmm. everywhere. Um, and we need to, number one, understand that it's inevitable. Mm-hmm. And so where it, 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 where it is predictable, it's manageable. So if we can predict that conflict pretty much is going to happen everywhere, so how can we prevent it? Mm. How can we address it? Conflict is not going to go away, but how do we better handle it? So when you're on social media and you have somebody who spews, starts spewing things, the questions that you asked, hey, you know, I'm actually, this is how it's impacting me, Mm -hmm. talking about how it's impacting you. When you say this, this is how how I feel. Mm -hmm. This is, you know. That's a really good line right there to just sit for one second. I think, gosh, if we can use that, I like the I statements. So some people have heard this before, but if you haven't listen to this, when we're in conflict with someone, when we're hurt, when we're discouraged or frustrated or confused, even to be able to stop. First of all, like you said, cool down, be curious. My wife gave me the phrase from someone else, be curious, not furious. Before we get all mad, it's like, hmm, let me understand here. Why am I being triggered by this? Why is this angering me? Let me understand more. Let me get behind this person's eyes and mind and heart. But then go, okay, so I feel, then fill in the blank. I feel unheard. I feel belittled. I feel dis- dismissed when you say this. Because it puts the onus on me, on, on the I. Instead, sometimes what I'll do is say, you're this, you're that. I just start pointing the finger and I tell the person what I think of them. What is that doing? Belittling them, demeaning them, dismissing them. Instead of saying something like, hey, I hear you saying this or I hear you saying that. Is that what you're saying? Okay, because I feel this when you say it. And here's the human emotion and the human interaction that needs to happen. Right. Well, and then you have folks who say, you know, um, you make me feel. Mm. And that's actually not taking onus at all. That's um, putting it on the, 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 the other person and not that accountability. You make me feel. Well, actually, the truth is you can't make me feel anything. I'm in control. That is really good right there. So, so can... Can we say that nobody can make you feel anything? 
Is that a, a That's fair statement? That's absolutely true. I mean, it's your your body and your emotion. I can now let me say I could provoke you. Yep. But so that's the that's okay. the better language. Better to say, language. I feel provoked. I feel by provoked. You. Or ask a curious question. I've noticed, and I wonder. That's a new. Mm. That's another. You know, um, quick term. You know that we use or yeah. phrase that we use. Hey, Tony, I noticed yeah. that. Um, you know, there's some tension that is yeah. needs to be addressed. Or I noticed that every time I, you know, um, shut the door to your office right away, you open it up and, you know, start huffing and puffing. You know, I wonder, is there yeah. something else that I could be doing it? Yeah. You know, asking those questions, we see a lot of workplace conflicts happening, um, where, you know, individuals who work together have created physical walls between them. So they don't have to look at each other. So I have to deal with each other they don't have to you know and i think that again going back to social media it gives us that physical barrier that i don't actually have to deal with you i can say whatever i want and then run and i actually never have to look at that post again um even though the words are always and forever going to be online um the the other thing i just want to i want to mention because you you were talking about just the tragedy of um the young boy who took his life um and i i just want to say you know we do an immense amount of work in schools um we created years and years ago probably back in 98 created programs that were anti-bullying you know those were the hot languages back the hot languages Language that was used back in the day. Really, what we're using now is building empathy and respect. Um, so, for all, you know, with all due respect, the bully also is hurt. You know, and I it, and I'm not trying to minimize the actions. There needs to be accountability. But let me tell you what happens more than anything in our schools is that it, the punitive approach doesn't work. It doesn't work, Tony, because if you and I are in a conflict in the school and there has been an incident um, or an infraction of some sort, uh, let me tell you what happens. Um, This no bullying policy will send me home and I will not have to be accountable for the actions that I took. So if I somehow, you know, called you something, you know, a crazy you know, Mexican or whatever, and you're a complete idiot. And, you know, and I hate you and I wish you were dead. Suspend me. I thank you for the vacation. Mm. What, what good does that do? What healing actually happened? Mm. What accountability actually took place? Um, none whatsoever. All I know is that, Hey, I better not get caught because I'm going to get suspended. I might like getting suspended. I don't know, but there's no behavioral transformation. And what happens right now in the society is that there's a lot of transactional behavior. And what we're trying to move towards is transformational behavior. So where can I take accountability? Um, And so through our restorative practices work, we do some circle work, we bring folks together, we build relationships, we understand, we want to hear what is behind Michelle saying that you're a a stupid Mexican? What's behind that? Well, I've had some experiences, you know, and let me get behind it. It's not, it, it never is what's right in front of us. That's never the need that is the unmet need you see the interest in my perspective right away you may say oh man she's she must hate dogs because she's always telling me shut that dog up shut that dog up or i'm gonna kill that dog if you don't you know man i feel like i'm really violent what is in that tea um 
But Do we need to talk. I'm noticing some things. I'm wondering. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But that's not what the need is at the end of the day. The need is that I have to wake up at four in the morning and the dog is keeping me awake. Can we, I love dogs. Can we, you know, and I'm, I'm using a, you know, a, a somewhat yes. silly um, example, but we have now in days neighbors who that quickly escalates to violence so you know you're saying right now i'm going to go searching for that dog you know what if what if you were so frustrated and sleep deprived Mm. that you could not communicate effectively i need that dog to please stop and and then violence ensued we see it every day we see it with road rage Mm. we see it in our schools where we're young people. And of course, mental health is absolutely another factor that's separate from what I'm talking about. Um, but we see it with families where they cannot continue to even engage in an empathetic under seeking, understanding conversation and violence ensues. Last year, there was a story in the city of San Mateo, and this is public information, uh, where two neighbors that were best of friends, one was an elder, one was probably in her late 30s, and um, they were, uh, they lived in an apartment complex, and they were over, um, the younger one was over the elder's home, and and they were engaged in a conversation, and the other individual went to her apartment, came back with a bat, and killed her, Um, and they were the best of friends, and when the police showed up, by the way, she stuck around and the police showed up and they said well what happened what why did you take that action and she said i didn't like where the conversation was going i didn't i didn't know how to deal with the the argument that we were engaged in and so how do we prevent those tragedies from happening how do we prevent from someone feeling so isolated and desperate you know the taking care of the mental health needs is one thing but how do we build mm. social capital i think in silicon valley we are we're often i don't want to put an absolute but we're often consumed with financial capital real estate capital 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 we think about capital in that form but i would challenge those listening today to think about what's your social capital What's the social capital that you have built up that in times of conflict, tremendous conflict that you can tap into and and make a withdrawal in order to address some of society's most complex issues? That's so good. As you're talking, I'm just thinking about all of the like we've only been, this is our 14th episode. So this will be our episode 14. And in 13 episodes, we've talked about suicide. We've talked about sexuality. We've talked about racial injustice. Uh, we've talked about uh, f- film and different perspectives on on media and entertainment and what's good and what's not. And I'm just thinking about how to encourage listeners, our cannolios, cannolians, uh, how do we, cannolers, how do we, um, <laughs> holy cannolers, how do we, um, so we find ourselves in a situation, how do we practically t- take steps, because this sounds like a lot of work, <laughs> it's hard work, it sounds like mature work as well, because in some way it almost seems like certain responses that uh, we find ourselves doing in conflict are the easy way out in some way. Uh, it's easier to just react and and say something rude. It's easier because it, to just quickly 
say the first thing that comes to my mind. It's easier to hang up the phone. It's easier to um, do a, you know, a mad emoji. It's easier to stick my middle finger up uh, to whatever, right? It's th- those are kind of the easy things to do. It takes some time, some maturity, some work, some really in-depth reflection to go, why am I being triggered right now? Uh, I don't know. What tips do you have? It sounds like we need sometimes a lot of outside help, right? We need people. Yeah, right, right. Well, a couple things I I just want to say is that, so I've been, you know, with the organization and practicing this work for 19 years Mm -hmm. and I, I still mess up a lot. Mm -hmm. I still jump to conclusions and don't ask questions. I still, um, scream and yell at loved ones. Um, you know, I, I try to do it less. That that must be really hard when you're like the director of the (laughs) conflict resolution center. People are like, well, look at you. conflict Thank you. That's my husband. Thank you for bringing that back (laughs) into this room. Thank you. Really appreciate that. Um, and I have four kids. You know, so um, and currently, you know, one adult child, two teenagers and one little one that actually still loves me. So (laughs) that's what I hold on to. Um, That's my hope. Um, and two dogs. I wanted to throw that in as well. <laughs> you are a dog person. We've established <laughs> yeah, that. Dog. Okay. She just uses right. examples. Right. Peta, stay away. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, and so to your point, we, it's, it's a constant practice. Tony, you seem pretty healthy. I imagine, <laughs> I imagine you work out. You know, and so if you work out, you have to, you know, at first, those muscles that you're using, they, they feel awkward. Um, you know, you're starting to lift weights. I remember when I started lifting weights and I was like, man, this feels really strange to me, you know, and my trainer was like, you got to do it this way. No, you, you can't arch your back. You're going to end up hurting yourself. You're going to end up, you know, um, pulling something and then you're really going to not, you know, you're, then you're going to have to wait even longer to be able to exercise in this manner. You need to do it right. So number one, what is that showing me? That means that means I need a trainer. I need someone to actually show me um, the correct way. Doesn't mean I'm always going to do it when he's not here and I've run out of money to actually pay him. Um, you know, I I have to remember what he showed me, um, and then I gotta practice. I gotta do it more than you know once every three weeks. I have to do it a couple times. I have to practice. You know, we do a lot of trainings. And capacity building of helping people, you know, think about their their language that they're using, think about their interaction with others, think about how they can use external tools to really help them with conflict. You know, we're on the spectrum of conflict, you know, there's huge societal issues that complex issues that we need to address. And then there's conflict in the workplace, there's conflict in my home, there's conflict in my neighborhood, you know, and so using those we want to have people practice, go home and, and yeah. write something, go home and practice, practice these words. And they're going to feel weird at, yep. you know, time. I, I had this new employee that had come, um, to work with us a few years ago and he's like, you know, stop facilitating me. Uh, and I was like, I'm not facilitating you. Like, this is how I talk. Mm. And he's like, it's so weird. <laughs> I'm like, you know, stop asking me those questions. Just yeah. shout something at me or stop being so uh, inquisitive. And so it's a whole whole new way of working. Um, and the challenge is a good one. I mean, if you really honestly believe that it's going to support you at the end of the day to accomplish whatever that you're trying to accomplish by removing, um, unnecessary conflict or being able to be better prepared for it, then, you know, seek additional help. 
one of the reasons why we get so many calls is that um, we are a neutral third party. Mm. And what does that mean? That means that I don't have a stake in your conflict. Mm. You have a stake in your conflict. I'm just going to help you get there. Uh, you might even heard, you know, facilitators are kind of like the pilot. You tell us where you need to go and we'll get you there. Mm. But at the end of the day, the destination is yours. Mm. And so when we are facilitating conversations or mediating conflict conversations or conflict coaching, the buy-in is yours. It's all voluntary. You can put in as much as you want. I can't force you to get there. It needs to be you. So when are you going to, how are you going to move yourself from a consumer to a contributor um, and really understand that there's a greater role that you can be playing? So people can access you um, and your facility and your services, and you can find Peninsula Conflict Resolution Center on Facebook and the web. And uh, I hear you also saying like trainings, right? So you do trainings, but one thing that the way we connected is you're doing this event in October, Friday, October 12th, and you guys do this event annually. So this is another way people can access ways to learn how to be empathy, empathetic and ways to learn how to handle these difficult conversations that we're having in society better. So talk about that because I want people to know about it. Okay, cool. Um, so in the conflict resolution world, um, we call ourselves um, alternative dispute resolution practitioners. So it's an alternative um, to disputes that are normally handled within the courts. Actually, if you think about how mediation, community mediation centers throughout the world really started, or certainly throughout California and the United States, is because in California in particular, we have a relationship with the courts where we're trying to help um, help not not to clog the court system. I don't know if you've ever been to a court for any type of case, jury. Um, jury um, you have a case and it takes a number of weeks. There's clogged dates are you know pushed. There's judges. There's case courts. There's a lot. You know it takes a lot longer. And the judge normally decides at the end of the day what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. For us, um, we want to move away from that system mm. and put the decision maker in in actually in the in the hands of the parties who are experiencing the conflict. So um, this alternative dispute resolution uh, and for this event, by the way, um, it's it's our version of a TEDx. It's a, our version of a TED talk mm. um, where we can come together and really talk about complex issues from a very innovative um, uh, approach and think and listen and ask curious questions and hear about crazy stories of mm. how that worked and what did that look like. And so in years past, this is a probably our uh, sixth or seventh year that we have been hosting this event um, we've talked about issues of how do we reduce violence in our community? How do we strengthen the family unit? Mm. How do we build relationships across divisions? Um, and, you know, the one that one in particular was um, very well attended, given that it was probably a few months after the most recent presidential election. Mm -hmm. So, you know, tensions were running mm -hmm. very, very high, you know, and um, still are and still Gosh, yeah. are and still are. 
And um, so we have actually continued to do some work since the election. We launched this initiative called the Strengthening Communities Project um, that has gained a lot of national recognition. I actually went to go speak at the um, Bar Association Conference about the work and how we are building, helping to build bridges between communities that are um, have been traditionally divided or have been recently divided given the national climate. So whether it's on um, on sexual orientation and race mm-hmm. and ethnicity and economics um, and the those who have a home and those who don't have a home. I mean, housing is a huge issue within oh here yeah. in the Bay Area, that's for certain. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it is those who like to commute by using public transportation or their cars. I mean, there's so many divisions that we could start uh, listing out. And so we've been doing a lot of work of training people to have empathetic uh, conversations, being equipped to have those conversations, being engaged in difficult dialogues about those topics. And believe me, the conversations have been very difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, and then going out to really focus on helping the community turn that talk and that understanding into action. So what can I take on as a resident um, and what can I do differently and talking to my neighbor? So this event that we have um, on scheduled uh, scheduled for October 12th, where you have so graciously accepted our invitation to be one I'm of our speakers. I'm not sure why I'm invited. <laughs> not true. We should talk about that right, on this talk, podcast. Let's right. talk about what I'm going to say. Right. <laughs> uh, you have so much to share in the 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 innovation that you have used and the strategies that you have used to engage individuals um, in topics, especially given that you come from a church to background mm-hmm. um, and engaging. I'm going to tell you often what's missing in these conversations is, mm-hmm. is the church. Mm-hmm. Um, so where, what is the role? I actually uh, wow. last year um, facilitated a series of interfaith conversations with leaders from a variety of different faith traditions coming together to talk about, given our social climate, what's the role that we have to move in the direction of empathy and respect mm. um, and turn against to, to violence. So you had Muslim, um, Buddhist, mm. Christian, you know, um, you know, all the domin- denominations within Christian, um, Catholic, um, Jewish, you know, all of these traditions together to say, you know, we're not having a philosophical conversation right now. We're talking about how do we, in all of our traditions, where we focus on love and mm-hmm. building relationships and building understanding, what's the role that we have? Mm-hmm. So I think that mm-hmm. you really have this very unique position mm-hmm. in where you come from that and you can observe and say my experience has been we've missed Mm -hmm. this we've missed this Mm -hmm. and we've messed up here Mm -hmm. we've messed up here Mm -hmm. the hate signs don't work Mm -hmm. the on the you know don't work Mm -hmm. the um kicking out of the church don't work Mm -hmm. the you know all of this doesn't work because Mm -hmm. number one it's not what christ would have Mm -hmm. us do and number two um it it isolates these are the impacts of that actions and so this is what i'm trying Mm -hmm. and this is what i'm doing this is what i've learned and this is where i'm you know, and that this is where I, you know, I think that there's so much there. And um, at this event, you know, Box headquarters in Redwood City has, they've been so gracious to host us. There's going to be full on 
huge spread of breakfast. So yeah, come yeah. early, come early, get your seats. So, hey, listen, if you ever wanted to be, if you are in the Bay Area, well, if you want to fly out for this event, because people <laughs> listen to this all over the world, actually, which is kind of fun. But if you want to come to the Bay Area on October 12th, fly into San Francisco or San Jose, get your ticket and come to this event. But if you're local, you know you've heard of Box. This building is like huge. It's downtown Redwood City. It's super cool. And so we're going to be in that space. And you can't really get in that space unless you A, work there, <laughs> B, are invited to go to lunch with someone who works there, or C, come to the Peninsula Conflict Resolution Talk on October 12th. Right, right. It's going to be so much fun. And Tony, we've really put together um, a group of individuals, and it's it's it, we've taken a lot of strategy to think about the different realms of where we can be building empathetic communities. So we have someone from Box who's going to be talking about the tech industry and how they are working towards creating empathetic communities because um, we know here in Silicon Valley, you know, that's a that certainly is a big issue. Um, and then we have someone who is going to be talking about the Jewish-Palestinian um, work that he's doing to build oh. empathy within those two communities. We have a city manager, um, former city manager, who now is a senior um, officer with the Kettering Foundation, who's talking about her role in kind of bringing together diverse communities to build empathy. She right now actually leads a cohort that I belong to under the Kettering Foundation that is working towards addressing um, building empathy between community and law enforcement. Um, and so given all of the incidents that have taken place where uh, lives have been lost, um, young or you know uh, mature uh, African-American individuals, residents who have lost their lives um, in an officer-involved shooting, it's hard to say there's going to be some empathy there. Mm -hmm. So where do where do we even begin? Um, and so the, you know we are really excited about what is going to trans what's going to happen. The other individual, by the way, he's been doing a lot of work in um, working with the homeless mm -hmm. and helping us really well, miracle, messages. miracle messages. So yeah. Cool. Yeah. Kevin is a good brother. He, I met him a few years ago and, um, we were both, uh, rejected for an award. <laughs> and so we were, you know, sad together and cur cursing out the, no, we weren't. He was, I wasn't Kevin. If you're listening, he was cursing out the uh, funders. I, I wasn't I'm giving you away. Um, but he, you know, we, he's been doing some phenomenal work and he started all by just really uh, giving um, equipment to individuals who at the time were homeless on the street, um, right? on the street yeah. to tell their story. So what a way, right? At the end of the day, Tony, if I can understand your story, yep. you're no longer a stranger to me. Yep. You're no longer a stranger to me. And so I think that, you know, that certainly is certainly what I'm learning from what the work that you're doing. Mm -hmm. If we could sit down, have conversation. And right now we live in such a microwave society that if I don't get something in 15 seconds or less, you know, I, my kids are like on my laptop at work yeah. there. It's so slow. I'm like, really? It's not that slow. Yeah. Slow your mind down. You know, yeah. if we could just slow down and listen to each other and ask the questions and build a relationship and seek understanding um, and understand that you and I don't have to agree. Mm -hmm. But, man, it would really be great if I respected you. Mm -hmm. It would be really great if I had empathy with you. Not, not sympathy, 
empathy. You know, this idea that we could lament with each other, that I can, regardless of what experience you're having right now, it's not my suffering or my pain, but that I could lament with you. And that's what God calls us to, to do, lament with each other. So that's good. I mean, as I think about what I'm going to share on this day, Michelle, you can help guide me. Because I really feel, I'll be honest, super insecure and inadequate as I look at those lists of people. I mean, <laughs> you know, helping with Palestinian conflict, <laughs> restoring people who are on the street to their families through these, you know, awesome messages and using technology. I'm like, what? what am I doing there? But here's what I think I have to offer. I think, you know, I started Brave Maker because brave stories change the world. I think we are a storytelling people. We, we are tribal people. That's how we understand each other. We tell stories. And for me, the, you know, the church has always been a place of story. We've lost some of that in, in the way we come, because we preach, we even joke, like we preach, we talk at people, but we don't engage in conversation at times. And I would like to bring that to this event to inspire people to see spirituality and see empathy as one of, we tell our stories but we also have to learn to invite people to tell their stories in our lives. And that takes intentionality. We have to go and find people who don't look like us, who aren't us, who don't have our background. We have to humble ourselves to say, you know what? On the outside, I might totally judge you. And I'm going to share. I have a couple of stories I'll share in the event. I'm not going to share one of them because I feel like it's too good. You got to come listen to it. But <laughs> You can tell me after. Okay, okay yeah, I'll tell you after. But here's one story. I was at uh, the stoplight downtown Redwood City, one block away from Box, actually, and I'm uh, on my way to the office here, and I'm I'm stopped, and there was a car that was in front of me that was stopped as well at the stop sign. I'm going, okay, cool. You got, you got two seconds because the other car is going to go, and then you're going to go, but I'm waiting. I'm waiting. It's stopped. Like, what is going on? <laughs> so then I see a, a kid get out of the back seat, uh, a Latino kid, maybe like 19, 20, and I'm thinking, oh, he's just getting out from his Uber. Okay, cool. Like, I'll make eye contact with him and just kind of wave. But he doesn't make eye contact with me. I'm like, all right. So uh, he shuts the back door, and he stands there, and he puts his backpack on. I'm like, okay, is he going to move? He's still standing there. I'm still behind this car. What's going on with this Uber? This is the story I'm telling myself. And then uh, another Latino girl gets out of the back seat on the other side of the car, on the driver's side. And she's putting her you know, stuff on. I'm like, oh, there's two people. That's why. Okay. And then they're still waiting. I'm like, what's going on? Like, eye contact me, with me, you guys. Like, let me just wave and say, what's going on? Should I go around? So I'm starting to get heated, right? I'm starting to get furious and jump to conclusions in like the matter of a minute, you know? And then I see the kid open the passenger side door and out comes this older Latino gentleman with a cane. And I'm like, oh my gosh, she's helping out grandpa. And here I am jumping to conclusions going, come on, dude, let's go. I got to get to work. Right, you know, right, let's go. Right. And then another little old Latina lady comes out of the backseat. So there were three people in the backseat, one person in the front. Mm -hmm. And they're like, you know, escorting them across the street. All of a sudden, my heart just melts because I jumped to conclusions that this was some kid getting out of an Uber with his backpack that could have been faster so that I could get out of my way one minute. And that spoke to me in such a huge way that I didn't understand what was going on in the car. I didn't understand the conversation. I didn't understand that there was a person who might have had some physical, you know, um, just because of age, you know, limitations. And here I am caring only about me. And that spoke 
huge to, I think, our, our understanding, our ability to understand other people. We don't know what's going on behind closed doors. We don't know what's going on in someone's mind. We don't know someone's history. I don't know when someone, like you said, I love that empathy for the bully. I mean, I was bullied in high school and I had to follow up in my 30s because I found the guy and I had to share like, you really hurt me. Like I was really wow. like wow. wiped out by wow. the what you did to me. I was a mess. It really messed with me. And I could honestly say to this day in my 40s, I still sometimes think of those things as a, as a, a source of my insecurity. But you know what he did? He, he responded. He actually apologized. But he said, you know what? I was going through it at home. I was, you know, my dad was super verbally abusive to me. He's like, I, honestly, I, I felt like you were, you took my girlfriend at one point. I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't even know that. What are you talking about? You know, he was mad at me, blah, blah, blah. Tony, like, just, I didn't even, you know, what is, like, all that dumb stuff, <laughs> you know? But I'm like, wow, okay. It gave me empathy. Like you yeah. had your thing going on too. Mm-hmm. You had, and I could vilify you and I could actually see myself on Jerry Springer throwing a chair at him at one point. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> my right that's what i did oh my lord <laughs> so i think the the thing i have to offer is all right let's listen to people's stories let's invite people as churches as people of faith let's look at our gatherings differently and let's have more instead of one monologue from like i'm a white guy too that's the other thing i kind of feel a little bit like <laughs> you, you are tony you are <laughs> No, it might not look like it, <laughs> but I am. You know, I'm a white cisgendered male, you know, married to a woman with three kids. I have a very privileged place in society and I understand that. And yet I have a story and I want to tell my story. But I also think this is part of like for me, you know, for the churches and for my own work, I have to be intentional to go, OK, women, people of color, LGBTQ people. I want to hear your stories and I want to elevate your stories. And so as a filmmaker, that's mm-hmm. kind of what I feel my mission right. is, right. is to tell stories of people. Like I'm looking at like blind spotting the film with David Diggs that came out recently mm-hmm. or Sorry to Bother You, Boots Riley's film with Lakeith Stanfield and mm-hmm. Tessa Thompson. I'm looking at these films going, these are stories that are very, uh, the stories of empathy. They're stories that are mm-hmm. bringing us into communities, rich, uh, crazy rich Asians that just came out. Right, 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 right. Everyone's talking about why, because 25 years we have not seen an Asian cast on screen. That's crazy. So that's what I'm excited and passionate to do. I'm trying to focus my work on that. I'm trying to tell stories. I'm trying to write stories and I'm trying to partner with other people to elevate their stories to a place so that other people can learn. So I'm, I'm going to massage that a little bit. I have another story I'll tell you off podcast. They'll share <laughs> that is even better and more humbling about how ungraceful I am. <laughs> we are all, and then that's exactly why we asked you to be a part of this. Your approach um, is, first of all, number one, in line with PCRC's mission and vision. And we're all about people telling stories. We're all about the dialogue. Uh, the deliberation often is easier for us. Deliberate, like, let's fight, let's wrestle about this, you know. Um, but if we can wrestle towards um, embrace and not wrestle towards, you know, a fight at the end of the day or division, then I think that we're going to be better at the end of the day. So you are elevating those stories and you're doing it in such a unique way that we're just so blessed to have you a part of this movement. Um, I I think so many people are going to be um, touched and, um, and spoken to very individually based on the work that you're doing. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's wonderful. We're just, we're just really excited. Uh, the, the other thing that you made me think about is that 
is that, you know, we, um, we're, we're all fall from grace all the time. You know, we, none of us are really perfect. Um, and the more that we could seek, um, assistance and support out to help us the better and starting young, you know, in high school and middle school, mm-hmm. elementary, we're seeing those, those, uh, flutters of behavior that if we could really help, you know, teenagers understand or younger than that little kids understand, you know, words hurt, mm-hmm. you know, there was that old saying, you probably remember, you know, um, uh, sticks and stones might break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's the biggest lie mm-hmm. told to children ever, mm-hmm. ever, 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 um, I've been called all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I, I know, and that stays with me. Um, and I will say, you know, since we're on Holy Cannoli, I can say this, um, <laughs> is that, you know, if we can, as, as we can understand from a faith perspective, what can I learn from that? What, why did God allow that to actually happen? And so many times, you know, and again, I'm sorry, I'm a pastor's kid. I have to go here. Mm-hmm. Um, so many times we ask the question, why God, why did you allow that trauma to for me to experience that trauma? Why did you allow for that um, tragedy to take place when God actually uses it for his glory at the end of the day to, to, to form you? You are who you are, not only because of the fabulous things that happen in your life, but also because of the traumas that help to shape you and refine you and, and, and help you to be aware that empathy is a need because you have a personal story. And ultimately that the trials that we experience are for edification of someone else later on. Um, so in, in any way that we could grasp at those opportunities, stopping and, and, and listening to ourselves and learning from it. Well, wow. Well, what was, what was that all about? Mm-hmm. What was I supposed to pay attention to? How am I supposed to be changed from, or be, be, you know, learn from it. The other thing that you so eloquently shared that I have to point out that is something that we always talk about is, you know, this image of an iceberg and it's, um, you know, we only see a portion of it. You only mm-hmm. saw that one young man coming out of the car. You only saw, mm-hmm. you didn't have all the whole story and what's rooted underneath mm-hmm. is, um, is a lot more to the story that we don't know. Mm-hmm. And we take for granted that our eyes are telling us all the information that we can get, uh, from any given story and that's just not the case oftentimes our li- our eyes lie to us the most mm-hmm. um so really waiting and being patient um is hard for us and and trusting that more is to come um but certainly that's something that that we should be promoting and so thank you for that really lovely story yeah well thanks for being on the podcast if people want to find you uh are you on uh how do you want people to connect with you um, so there's so many ways they can go to our website that is currently under construction. I promise it it's going to look better in about two months. Um, Peninsula Conflict Resolution Center. We are also on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram because we, we got it like that. <laughs> and, um, and then, you know, folks can follow me as well, Michelle. PCRC. Um, but if you go to our website on the first page, you're going to see the announcement for our TED Talk event. And so it's the first thing that you see uh, right on the top. 
uh, Peninsula Conflict Resolution Center, you know, join us for ADRX is right on the top. And so you can click there and it'll take you right right now. If actually before Friday or before Monday, uh, right now we're running an early bird special. So this, this will great. come out on Monday, this Monday, it'll come out on Labor Day. Okay, never mind. But the price is on the price is on there, so you can see. Um, and you know, of course, we never, ever, ever want the ticket uh, to be a barrier for participation. So please, by all means, reach out to us. Let us know, and we would love to comp you a ticket if that's a barrier, or if you want to pay what you can and give a donation. We're really trying to just get the. You know, we don't make a lot. We don't make any money from this. This is all about just making sure that expenses are paid and that we are. Um, being able to bless our speakers some way, but that would be great. So all the information is on there. You want to learn more, you can absolutely reach out to me. I would live to chat with you. You've been great, Michelle. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm going to post the link on the Holy Cannoli Facebook page. And will you come back and just be our resident conflict resolution manager? Totally. <laughs> totally. All right, you're awesome. Thanks so much. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Life is sacred. Life is strange. Embrace every minute of it. Thanks for listening to Holy Cannoli. If you liked my dad's podcast, please subscribe, give it a review, and share it with someone you think would be encouraged by it. Holy Cannoli Podcast is a proud production of Brave Maker Media. For more information or to donate, go to bravemaker.com to make your tax-deductible donation today.